Morning, Chair. Morning. Morning, Chair. Morning. Morning. Greetings. I see the time. Yes, yes, Mama Sango. I see the time now is the time that we have scheduled our meeting. So how about that we start the meeting? I can see that uh, how many are we? At least we are close to 30 now that have logged on. So can we agree to bow our heads to where we are? Just a second. Amen. Thank you very much. Um, I wish to welcome everyone in the meeting, but I would like to express and inform you that I'm heavy in flu. So recording in progress. I might, I might be irritated somewhere somehow. This flu is very strong, but I'm coming up okay for now. I think I got cold some work during the weekend. So how I wish that no one can be able to get this flu for now, because you don't even know whether it's corona, it's back, or what is it. Otherwise, honorable members, we are fine. We hope that this meeting um, will attend because we've got a sitting. We will maybe finish on time. When I look at the agenda, I could see that uh, there's not much that we can do on those things, but let's see and see whether, how far can we go. I wish to welcome everybody, the honorable members, the officials, backup staff, whoever is in the meeting that I haven't managed to acknowledge. It is not intentionally. I will acknowledge them as we are able to see them in the register and roll. Lindy, can you, Lindy? Yeah. Lindy, will Everything? you please fly to the agenda? Okay, Chair. I'll do so. Thank you very much, Lindy. Honorable members, the agenda is a welcome and opening remarks, which I've already done. There's not much that I can say. We've been together since, since we know one another and we love one another. I've done that one. Then on item two, the roll call. From Lindy. Um, good morning, members, um, the minister, uh, and your chairperson and the stakeholders in our presence. Today, I wish to confirm the following members that are in our midst. We have you, uh, Member Vana, as the chairperson of this committee. We have Member Abrahams, we have Member Tlongo, we have Member Stock, we have Member Pilangulu, we have Member Iris, we have Member Opperman, we have Member Priet, we have Member Masango, and we have Member Marengen. So those are the members that are with us in this meeting, and I wish to confirm that you are a quorum. We can take decisions in this meeting as are the rules of the National Assembly allows us to do so if we are a quorum. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Lindy. Uh, welcome, 
Honorable Minister, I think Lindy has indicated that you are present. We are really uh, grateful when we hear that you have joined us, knowing that Wednesdays are busy days for you. Then can we then um, go to um, the department? We have heard that the minister is present. Acting DG, Acting DG, Linton. I didn't see Linton here. Maybe there is an acting person on his behalf. Okay, so, so can I indicate uh, DG is threatening this meeting and the social cluster meeting when he has to present certain things. So he'll be in and out of this one, but he has asked me if there's a need for, 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 for some remarks from the DG. I can, I can send him. This is Brenda Smith. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, then if that goes to that. Let's go to item three, apologies. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, Member Sukas just joined now while you were busy. Um, the apologies I've received, Chair, uh, is from Member Manganye and Member Mutawung uh, won't be with us due to ill health. Uh, another apology is from Member Abrams. She indicated that she wants to um, get permission to leave at 20 past 12 uh, to attend to other prior commitments. And Member Masango as well would request to, to, to be excused at 12 o'clock. So those are the apologies, Chair. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much, Lindy. We hope that by that time we'll be done with the meeting. Otherwise, with a formal and official Apology. I think let's accept a note that. Can we get the apology from the side of the department? Or the other thing that I've left uh, is that Honorable um, Mangani has just phoned. She said she's going to join the doctor, and when she finishes, she will join the meeting. Can I get from the side of the department their apologies? None. Uh, okay. Chairperson, I think Minister is logged in. She said she would, she would step in for, for the meeting, at least at the beginning, to give the remarks. Uh, but she also has a cabinet meeting at the same time, so she'll step in for this and then we'll go into the cabinet meeting. I think she's, she's on the platform at the moment. Yeah, good, good morning, Chair. Good morning. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, good, good morning, morning uh, Here I am. I'm going to switch off my, my video, Chair, um, because I'm just going to speak and then go back um, to the cabinet uh, meeting. If you allow me to switch off my video so you can see it's me, it's not a, a robot. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Minister, we are allowed. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. A very good morning um, to everyone, uh, all the members on the platform. 
Firstly, let me wish you a speedy recovery and uh, say, please take care of yourself. Uh, it's important that you, um, you, you, you remain healthy. Um, and also just to say to all members, obviously this COVID-19 is not over yet. So members must really take care of themselves. And also, Chair, I will congratulate you later on on another platform. So for now, um, I wish to uh, thank you for giving us this opportunity and to the department. Uh, again, I think it has been explained why the DG is not here. He'll be on, on this platform and the other platform. Uh, firstly, I am happy that we are here and we welcome the opportunity to brief you on our response to the public uh, comment received on the fundraising amendment bill. And I was told in the briefing by the department that we didn't really get that much lot of um, uh, comments from the public, but it is okay. Uh, what we got, we must work with what we, we got. From a legislative process point of view, and as honorable members will recall, the bill was published in October 2020 after cabinet's approval. It was presented to the portfolio committee in June 21 and published a month later in July for public comment. I did, uh, Chairperson and honorable members, indicate to the department that hey, sometimes we have to do our best to push and not delay things to take uh, too long. Our systems sometimes are long. Also systems between the executive and systems between parliament sometimes take too long. So I hope this one is not going to be one because the decisions that had been taken earlier previously by other ministers um, just took too long for implementation. We have to shorten the time for implementation. From the onset, I'd like to thank all members of this committee and all those who have been with us on this journey since the introduction of the bill to parliament. We are grateful for your thoughtful contributions to this process. As you all are aware, the act which the bill seeks to amend, the Fundraising Act 1978, is antiquated and does not um, uh, and is, does not redundant and not compatible is no, is redundant and not compatible to progressive pieces of legislation that support democracy, such as the Public Finance Management Act and Disaster Management Act, uh, just to name a few. But also at this point, Chairperson, it's important for us to realize that we have got a lot of experience now, now that we see that um, uh, disasters and disaster management is one of the things that I think South Africa needs to focus on with the experience of what we've seen in Guazulu Natal and in the Eastern Cape. We must prepare for the future and be ready and have uh, systems that are easily, that systems that are, are responsive. When the nonprofit organization uh, NPO Act number 71 of 97 was promulgated, various portions of the Fundraising Act were repealed. This led to the Fundraising Act becoming incoherent with other existing legislation as only the portions dealing with the relief fund remain active. Apart from being outdated and redundant, the Fundraising Act created multiple funds with a huge administrative burden that hampers our efficiency to respond to disasters. Administering the act in its current form is onerous and complex as it makes provision for five funds. Of this number three are dormant, that is the Refugee Relief Fund, the State President Fund and the Social Relief Fund. Taken together, there's currently over 92 million in the 
dormant uh, funds. This might sound like not that much money, but it is money that needs to service our people. This amount of money is currently lying idle and can be put to good use supporting responsible initiatives to effective positive change by redirecting it to some of the government's most pressing issues. In addition to these funds being dormant, the Auditor General has over the years raised audit queries and recommended that they be closed down. The two active funds, namely the Disaster Relief of Relief Fund, is administered by Social Development, while South African Defence Force is administered by the Department of Defence and Military. The advent of COVID-19 and recent disasters across the country has once again brought to the fore the urgent need for a harmonised statutory regime. In this regard, the fundraising amendment bill seeks to introduce the Disaster Relief and National Social Development Fund. The proposed fund will harmonize the three domain funds, and alluded, which I alluded to earlier, with the exception of the South African Defense Fund. The proposed disaster relief and national social development fund would make provision for social and disaster relief in a developmental manner, considering existing provisions in the Social Assistance Act of 2004 and supporting social assistance regulations, which also provide for assistance to people requiring short-term relief. So the proposed fund also makes provision for raising of funds from the public and private sector for the purpose of addressing identified social relief projects. And then here, Chairperson and honorable members, I do want to say that, again, we've got a lot of experience with the disaster that recently befell us. And practically, we can see the need for us to have an opportunity for fundraising, but also accountability and putting systems in place and also we see that it would be very helpful for a co coordinated effort of responding um, uh, to the needs of our people this will also enable us to address current policy gaps in ensuring that we uphold human dignity in our disaster response honorable chair members without further ado and through you chair i now hand over to brenda uh, i guess if, unless the acting dg is here now um, for the presentation and also wish to apologize that I will I will be in here a bit, but I have to go back to the uh, cabinet meeting. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. Thank you very much for the overview. And also, I think really, this is not the first time that we hear about this bill, but uh, we have to definitely deal with it and check how far are we with it. So let's give over to Brenda. Over to you, Brenda. Brenda? Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much, Chairperson. We before, as before, Chairperson you, may that before you, Brenda, uh, can we go back to the yes. agenda? We haven't even adopted the agenda, but because the minister is rushing to go back to the cabinet, so we had to give her a chance just to give the overview before he leaves. she leaves. Can we go to the agenda, Lindy? What is the next item?
future was for the for the adoption. advisor adoption of the agenda and the coordinate adoption. advisor. Yes, yes. adoption of the agenda before we give over to Greg. Can we get the hand that adopts the agenda? It's only those two items. Presentation by content advisor on this fundraising bill. Second one is the department, which is Brenda is going to take us through. And then what is next, Linda? The closing remarks, Chair, and adjournment. We are going to deliberate, sorry, Chair. Uh, after this, we're going to discuss and then we get responses from the department and we close. That's the agenda, honorable members. Uh, oh, oh, honorable Kate. Good morning, Chen. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I move for the adoption of the agenda, Chair. Thank yes. you. Yes, thank you very much and congratulations. <laughs> thank, thank you, you. Chairperson. And then I thank see you. the hand of Honorable Stock. Uh, thank Where you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, uh, I would like to second the proposal for the adoption of the agenda. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, honorable members. Let's then continue. And let's continue with the agenda as it has been proposed. Uh, give the content advisor to brief us exactly on what is it that we are today. Content advisor, Yoli. Um. Good morning, uh, Chairperson. Good morning to the members, Honorable Minister, and my colleagues. Yes, Chair, I will start sharing the, my presentation. And if you allow me, Chairperson, um, if I can just skip the summary, as the Minister has provided a nice uh, summary on what the bill is about. And I just go straight to, um, so I'll keep the background, just go straight to the actual submission that was received um, from the Department of, I just, oh. I think it's a wrong presentation. Yeah. It's a wrong, yeah, it's a wrong one. Sorry, sorry, members, sorry. Can I just open the right one? Oh, the departments were not invited. Okay. Many documents, sorry members that are opened here. Can I just go and close other documents? Apologies.
Okay, sorry about that, members. I'm back. I had to just close other documents that were on the way in blocking this one. Okay, Chair, like, as I said earlier, I would like to skip the first part of the presentation, which is basically about the summary of the bill, which I think the Minister has adequately covered that, and just go straight to the only one submission that was received from the Western Cape uh, government, Chairperson. <clears throat> Okay, <clears throat> so the submission chairperson had uh, just a few um, amendments that were proposed, not so much because this is basically a technical bill. Uh, the general comment that was made was that the definition of local authority in the end in the act and in the bill must be must be aligned with the local government municipal finance management act of 2003. That's just a general comment chairperson on this one. And zooming into the actual clauses of the bill, the, in terms of clause two, amending section 73, subsection three, subsection A, which seeks to reduce the maximum number of members of the board established under the principal act to administer a fund from 15 to 19. That's what the clause seeks to amend. And the comment is that it, 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 it's, it states that it's not clear why the number of the boards should be reduced to nine. The original clause did not specify 15 as the required number. Then the number can be reduced by the minister when she or he constitutes the board. It also questions why um, this uh, the number is, is, an, is, a, is an uneven number and suggests that maybe to be better that the number be an even number instead of a nine. Because as an uneven number, it means that two and a half persons will be appointed on a full-time basis. So the proposal is that instead of it being a, a free number, it's nine, it should be an even number so that there won't be a four and a half persons that will have to be appointed member. And the other question that is raised by the submission is that what is the reason for providing for a full-time as opposed to other kind of appointment of the board? And also it questions, um, it, there's no provision in the bill about the competencies or the credentials, education qualifications and experiences required for the appointment uh, or full-time appointments of, this, uh, of the board. And it says that the qualifications will be crucial, that the bill is, uh, uh, makes provision for it, because the board members will be required to make decisions on the investments of the funds. And that it refers to the amendment that is made to section 22 of the principal act in clause 5b. This section or this clause seeks to provide for the financial management and control of the funds established in the principal act in accordance with the public finance management act. So the argument chairperson here is, is, is that the bill must make provisions for the credentials or the qualifications of the board members as they will be making decisions on the financial management of the bill as uh, amended in, in, in clause five amending section 22. So the recommendation is that the bill should reconsider this and clarify these matters. And in terms of clause two amending section 17, subsection three and four, a recommendation that is made that at least the what is cited in the amendment, which is in, in inverted commas, the at least one half 
should be omitted as the half of an uneven number would be an illogical result and would not attain the purpose of the subsection. This will make it clear how many persons should be non-executive members with if this recommendation is, is, is taken into consideration. Clause three, clause three amends section 18, subsection one, subsection domain figure two, which seeks to make provision of the objects of the disaster relief and national social De development fund. Comment here, Chairperson, it refers the committee uh, and basis its argument on the issue paper 40 of the South African Law Reform Commission, which states that the welfare, as referred to, to in Schedule 4 of the Constitution, refers to social assistance issues and not social development activities, empowerment projects, or even social welfare. So the argument is that application of amalgamated fund to only social development activities or empowerment projects limits the assistance that can be provided to the other sectors. And so the president's fund appears applicable to more than one sector and will have been of assistance in the arts and culture sector or tourism, which were adversely affected by COVID-19. So the suggestion is that clause five should be checked to see if it applies with their formation. Clause five seeks to provide for the financial management and control of the, of the funds established in the principal act in accordance with the public finance management act. So in essence, the argument here is that as it is now, the bill seems to limit uh, the, what the, 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 the fund would be for to um, social uh, uh, to those to, um, pro statements that are made or provisions that are made uh, in clause five. Then clause four, which seeks to amend section twenty, this clause seeks to empower the minister to give directions to a board in respect of disbursement of funds and to ensure that the board acts in accordance with ethical principles. The comment here, Chairperson says, the disbursement of funds must be done in accordance with the Public Finance Management Act of 1999, and this will tie in with the proposed uh, Section 22, Subsection 7 and B. Clause 4, amending Section 20, um, Subsection 3. The argument here is that it is unclear why there should be a board if the minister gives it written instructions on what to disperse. Perhaps it would be prudent for rather have the national treasury make the investment decisions and then departments could apply to it for the funds that they require. <clears throat> it also seeks clarity, the, 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 the submission chair, on what ethical principles are referred to the clause. It argues that this must be stated in the bill since people have wide interpretations of what ethical principles are. And so the bill should be revised accordingly. Which is the clause nine chair, uh, which is the last of my presentation and submission received. This clause provides for the short title and commencements of the act. And the recommendation is that there should be, uh, the year should be changed from 2020 to 2021. That's the end of the presentation, Chairperson. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Yuri. Uh, there is it, uh, honorable members. How about also giving the department with their response on this? Is it okay? Okay, go on, uh, department. Very much, Chairperson. Um, in terms of the, the, the response to the comments that have been made, we are going to ask uh, Advocate Luanda Mchochisa to take us through comment, uh, all of the comments, uh, the whole presentation, in fact. Thanks, Chairperson. I'm, I'm handing over to, to Advocate Mchochisa. Why? Okay. Advocate. Uh, good morning, honorable members, honorable chair, honorable minister. Uh, I think the minister has already indicated uh, in her opening remarks, uh, the, uh, the minister has already indicated in her opening remarks uh, the overview, uh, which I will not uh, have to go to but I will only focus on the response to what the content advisor has uh, presented. Uh, if, we, if we go to the first comment that has been made, uh, the first comment is around uh, the general comment in terms of the recommendation that has been made about the definition of local authority. And in terms of uh, the response that we are giving to that, we are saying uh, only chapter two of the fundraising act is being amended. So the proposed definition will be factored in when the department finalizes the regulations on the fundraising act. Uh, we do take note of what is being said. And uh, further than that, with regard to clause two, honorable chair and honorable members, uh, the comment that has been given uh, that it is unclear why the maximum number of board members should be reduced to nine as opposed to 15. Uh, we are saying yes, the comment is noted and accepted. We will uh, work on the bill uh, accordingly and revise it. And again, with regard to uh, clause two, which uh, also talks to the issue of full-time and part-time members of the board as envisaged. And the question was why uh, part-time and full-time? Uh, the rationale for appointing uh, half of the members on full-time basis within the public service is to ensure that the actual work of the board is carried out effectively and adequate capacity is available. So they will then be supported by other members, uh, probably from the private sector or from outside government. So the department will consider inserting the standard requirements uh, for board uh, membership, uh, such as fit and proper. Again, honorable members, with regard to uh, the comment around uh, uh, section 17, uh, there is a comment uh, around the issue of the credentials. Uh, how will we be uh, 
telling the issue of being fit and proper. We are saying that regulations will cater for the competencies and credentials which will be factored in when the department finalizes the regulations because this is the matter that must be prescribed. And again, when the advert goes out in terms of sourcing the members, that will be clearly stipulated in the advert as to what kind of uh, personnel uh, the department is looking for in order to form part of the board. With regard again to 17.3 and 4, the proposal is that the phrase at least half should be omitted as half of an uneven number is problematic and illogical. And we are saying, yes, the point is noted and supported. Uh, by implication, non-full-time employees are non-executive members and full-time board members are executive board members. Uh, when we uh, go further than that, uh, trying to explain uh, how this will be dealt with. Again, uh, honorable chairperson and honorable members, with regard to clause four uh, of the bill, uh, the comment is about the disbursement of funds, uh, which must be done in accordance with the PFMA. And uh, the, there was no suggestion per se here or recommendation, but we are saying yes, the comment uh, is noted because there are no proposed changes in terms of uh, the bill itself, but we do take note of that. We must also remember th that we had indicated uh, earlier that the Fundraising Act predates the Public Finance Management Act. So as uh, time goes on, yes, this will need uh, definitely need to be aligned. With regard to Clause 3, the issue of uh, the South African Law Reform Commission issue uh, 40 paper, and uh, uh, where there is a distinction that is drawn between the development, uh, social development services and the welfare services as referred to in Schedule 4 of the Constitution. Yes, we are saying we are taking note of that, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. The point is noted with regard to the limitation the fund proposed by the amalgamation may cause. So the objectives of the fund will therefore be revised to clarify the extent of coverage uh, by the fund and also the limitations thereof. It must also take into account that uh, the Disaster Management Act, which provides for establishment of disaster coordination forums for stakeholders to consult one another, will also assist in uh, dealing with this particular matter. Again, with regard uh, to the same commentary, which continues, uh, we, we also note that uh, the persons, organizations, or bodies affected by disasters guided by the reports from the National Disaster Coordination Forum will also uh, be taken into account as to who should be covered at the end of the day, meaning that the board itself or the members of the board will have a discretion in terms of what is fair and reasonable under the circumstances. Again, honorable members and honorable chair, uh, with regards to uh, the amendment of section 18, that is 18A2, uh, which continues as I've indicated, the issue of the present fund uh, that is applicable across uh, more than uh, one sector, uh, yes, is taken into account. So it will say it's also important 
So you know that all the funds are currently dormant and have been for a very long time, except the disaster money, uh, disaster relief fund, which is limited to social relief fund, which is the only one that has been active. So we are taking uh, note of the comment and we are accepting it that it is indeed correct. So we will uh, amend accordingly. So that's the fund will be expand will be expanding the scope as opposed to limiting the scope. Again, honorable chair and honorable members, uh, we also say in that same note that it's also important to know that all the funds are currently dormant for a very long time, except for uh, years, uh, as indicated earlier. So with regard to uh, clause four, uh, where the comment says it is unclear why there should be a board uh, if the minister gives it written instructions on what to disperse, and then the suggestion there that we should revise uh, the amendment. And we are saying uh, the directions referred to means the development of regulations, not necessarily the minister directing what the board should do. It's the uh, direction to make a regulation in relation to the financial year of the fund and matters that will have to be dealt with in that context. Again, with regards to clause four, honorable members, uh, there is a comment about ethical principles as to what constitutes ethical principles. And there is a suggestion that we must revise the bill uh, accordingly. And we say, yes, we agree. Uh, ethical principles refer to principles uh, relating to being fit and proper, which is also the matter of uh, the regulations again where it will be clear as to what quality a person who is to sit on a board uh, must have. That we will take into account. Uh, again, uh, honorable members, which is the last one in, in clause nine, where we uh, are advised that we should uh, remove 2020 and replace it uh, with 2021 in the commencement uh, clause. We say we agree. Uh, it's just that 2020 was at a time when we presented initially before your good selves. Uh, it's, even 2021 is still not relevant under the circumstances because it may be 2022, the date, or sorry, or 2023, or something like that, the date upon which uh, the president ascends to and signs uh, this bill. So we are taking note of that. We must, honorable members, uh, accept that yes, uh, the commentary uh, is, is supported by the department and there is no much dispute between the department and the person of uh, stakeholder who made the comments. And the comments are more of a technical nature than a sexual dispute. And most of the comments as indicated are acceptable to the department and the bill will be revised accordingly. Thank you, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members. Thank you, thank you, Advocate. Uh, honorable Members, there, there is the presentation. Brenda? Honorable members, I think we are done with the presentation. Can we deliberate more on it? 
I see the hand of uh, Alex, Leticia, Honorable Aris, uh, Honorable Masango, Honorable Kizela, and Honorable Stock. Can we go for Honorable Alex? Yes, good morning, Chairperson, and good morning to colleagues and the department. Um, thank you very much for the presentation. It was um, extremely straightforward. Um, I do share a lot of the concerns um, that the um, submissions covered. And, you know, I think I'll just, you know, like to find out when will we as a committee be getting sight of the regulations, um, because this, I think, will help um, address a lot of our concerns. So that will be the, the first question, you know, how far are the regulations and when will it be presented to the committee? Um, anyway, my other questions are, um, you know, this is supposed to be in response to disasters. So as we had um, COVID-19, which was declared a disaster, you know, the, the president set up the Solidarity Fund. So I would like to find out with this um, all-inclusive national fund, you know, therefore replace such funds. And, you know, would in the future there will be any parallel funds set up similar to the Solidarity Fund, or will this be the all-inclusive fund, you know, going forward? Then the next question with regard to, um, you know, which ministers are included in this fund. So now I note that the Minister of Finance is not included, and I would like to know why, especially since this fund deals with, you know, investment and money. But then also one of the presentations said that the South African National Defence Fund will remain in its own ministry, but I see the Minister of Defence is included in this act. So why is that? Um, my concerns also regarding the board members and happy that it's reduced to nine and, you know, maybe it'll be a further reduction um, given the consideration of an even number. And I just, you know, Chair would like to point out the purpose of this fund is to bring money in and not to be paying money out in terms of salaries um, and SNTs. So, you know, I'm, I'm not too sure if the department have given any consideration to, you know, how much these salaries are going to be, but, you know, it'd be, be important to keep it, you know, as minimum as um, possible, given it that it's a fund to bring in money and not pay out money. Then, Chairperson, I just would like some clarity on Section 20 um, and 2, where it says the board may exercise such powers, and then it goes on to say, and may exercise such other powers. So powers are not infinite. And I would just maybe like some clarity as to what is other powers. What does it mean? What does it entail? Because I'm of the opinion, you know, there should be set criteria and set baselines, you know, then with a set, um, set um, number of deviations to avoid, you know, abuse of this fund. Because, you know, so the Africans and I'm sure we are all, you know, so, um, um, what's the word, overwhelmed by the amount of corruption um, that's going on. And we just need to make sure that this fund um, is, you know, protected from corruption and not being used as a slush fund. Then also, Chair, some information on how the board will be appointed. Is it going to be... a a transparent process, will the committee be involved? And then to move on, 
So the previous funds that are now dormant, um, they sought to provide relief to, you know, acts of terror and refugees and things like that. So will these, for example, refugees, will they still be included um, in this um, new fund, um, given that, you know, all those other funds will then go away? And then just lastly, Chair, this one slide, slide 12, um, where it speaks to the fund will fund social development and empowerment projects in the broad sense that the board may seem um, may deem fair and reasonable. So is there not going to be a concern that the board or the fund can be accused of being selective if once again there's no baseline to work from? Um, because if you take, you know, informal settlement fires that happen frequently, what baseline and criteria will be set to determine who gets assistance and who doesn't? And, you know, we've often seen the same informal settlement burn down more than twice, three times, you know, will they then still be considered um, for the fund? And, you know, again, on this empowerment projects, as social development, we already, you know, are familiar with the number and types of empowerment projects. So would it not be cautious to have the set criteria, the set baseline to work from? Because board members come and go, and they all have different um, frames of references, different interpretations. And I'm just, you know, concerned that the board might say yes to one project and no to another project because this empowerment projects um, have not been listed. And, you know, the other thing I'd like to find out is how would, how would it work in practice? How would these projects, you know, apply for the fund? Would it be a call for proposals if there is a certain need? So, for example, gender-based violence is prevalent right now. So would the focus be on that? You know, how would it work in practice, seeing that empowerment projects is such a broad, broad um, term? And then also, Chairperson, I share the um, sentiments of the um, submissions in that, you know, um, ethical principles is open to interpretation. So, you know, the regulations, like the department says, will cover this. But, you know, now we, we're working through this and we haven't given sight of the regulations. And then just lastly, you know, the qualifications of the board and to make sure that there's no conflict of interest, you know, before these board members um, take up their seats. It's just something that we really need to um, keep an eye on. And um, like I said, Chairperson, we would benefit from um, regulations, you know, to give us a lot more answers. But those are my questions for now. And, and thank you, Chairperson. Good morning, Chair. Chair, can you hear me? Good morning. Morning, Chair. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to phone her, maybe she uh, just cut out. Oh, okay. Member Stock? Hi, Lindy. May, may she continue? 
for a while. I tried to um, locate Chaperson. Next yes. member. I think uh, Honorable Aris can continue, and then you can locate the Chaperson in the meantime. Okay. Yeah. You can okay. Honorable Aris. Yeah. Thank you very much, um, Honorable Stock. I think Honorable Alexander has covered most of the issues that I want to raise. However, I would like to raise the concern that since this fund uh, will cover so many sectors, why is it that only the Minister of Social Development are involved in the constitution of the board? Um, don't we think that we need to consult with all other sectors that are involved? And I also have that same concern like Honorable Abrams in terms of um, the Solidarity Fund. We need to get clarity on what will happen to with that fund, or is this will this fund be a replacement of the Solidarity Fund as it as the Solidarity Fund was a presidential fund. And then also in terms of the disaster management, because um, I believe that in terms of disbursements of funds, it is, it, I would actually would like to see that it is more, you know, a local government uh, uh, competency in terms of the MFMA. And then I'm also worried about the um, board members that, uh, that what's the need for full-time appointments on the board. Because right now we see even within one of our entities, we have a situation that most of the money uh, that is in this entity are going for, you know, payment of board members. And we don't want to sit with the situation because currently we need empowerment projects and uh, uh, those things, you know, in order for us to ensure that we really revive the economy of the country. So, yeah, that is my my inputs. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. I'm trying. I'm sorry for what has happened. I think I got a technical glitch, but I'm going to join with the iPad. Now I am on the cell phone. Can we give the next one? Thank you, Chairperson. Um, and thank you to the um, content advisor and the and the department for for the presentations. And I um, want to agree with the colleagues and what they have raised, um, and also to um, agree that this this bill is is mostly technical, as it were. I just want to go to the clause four, and I, I believe that Advocate Introducer did go through it and and actually said that. Uh, the department will do will amend or will revise, in fact, the bill. But I just wanted to to also just harp in on the issue of uh, ethical principles, and to say that as they are, they come across as being vague and uncertain. And uh, I would suggest that the the term should be defined. I know that there is a review that's going to happen. So I would like to make a contribution by saying that 
by suggesting that the term be either defined in section one of the act or the term must be referred to another piece of legislation. For example, the Public Administration Act 11 of 2014, because this was enacted to promote the basic values and principles governing the public administration. So, Chairperson, other than uh, agreeing to what has been raised by other colleagues and also um, saying that, you know, the... Okay. Okay. Carry on, um, carry on, Mamasa. Excuse me for that. Carry on, sis. I'm trying to log in in the iPad. Excuse no me. problem. Okay. Um, the 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 that that would be the in fact that would be the contribution I would make, other than in in in, in you know just to avoid having to repeat what has been said, which I agree totally with. Thank you, Chair. The next, uh, the next uh, member can proceed to make contribution. Member Opperman. Thank you. Um, I've, I haven't been. Hello. Hello. Proceed. Thank proceed. you. Thank you, Chairperson. I wasn't in the meeting on the second of June, so please forgive me for asking something that has been asked before. I only like to know on the on the ground we deal with a lot of perceptions. So I'd like to know how will this consolidation of funding into one bill affect an impact on NGOs and MPOs in need of funding? Will it make it easier to apply for funding or will the consolidation actually make it more strenuous? And I'd like to know we've seen huge budget cuts across various departments. Are consolidation a way to make access to funding harder due to the budget cuts in the various departments? And I'd like to know what is the fund limited or restricted to and the extent of the coverage? Because in the early stages of COVID-19, COCTA also provided um, funding. And how will it differ from social development funding and will there not be duplication? Thank you, Chair. Thank you. The next one. Who's the next one? It, I think it's me now, uh, Honorable Chairperson. It's Honorable Stop. Okay. Okay. No, no, Thanks, Honorable. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, I only had one question. And I think it's uh, been adequately canvassed uh, by Honorable Abrams. Uh, so I will not be asking any question. I would just like to make a comment and say, uh, I also agree with my colleagues by saying, I think this is a straightforward bill. And then I, I just want to appreciate uh, the manner in which the department have dealt with all the submission and also in terms of the responses uh, they presented in the meeting. So I'm quite happy about the whole process, how it has unfolded and it was handled by the department. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Stock. Honorable Stock, if I cut, because I'm trying to log in, please, 
assist me in continuing with the meeting. Then can we give over to the department to respond out of the questions that have been asked? Yeah. There's member Marie's hand was up. Sorry to oh, interrupt. Hurry. Uh, member Polnita, yes. Okay, Polnit, over to you. No, she just disappeared, Chair. I think she uh, system kicked her out. Mm. Yeah, system Yeah, we'll give her time when she logs in. Can we then give the department to meanwhile answer all what has been asked? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. she is. Yes. Yeah. Yes, um, uh, yes, I just want to know, my, the question that I'm asking Chair, is that, you know, I don't have an issue with this, uh, the, this new um, um, fundraising thing. I just want to know, because we saw what happened with the COVID funds, um, how transparent is the committee going to be the people that is going to work on that uh, portfolio, that committee, um, how are, are they going to be transparent and how are we going to know that these people are doing the right things? Because um, there's no use to be, be repeating um, things, but we are not learning from our previous mistakes. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Thank you. The department, over to you. Okay. Thank you very much, Chairperson and honorable members. I should do something that I, I forgot to do at the beginning because I spoke uh, in responding to the question around TG. Chairperson, apologies, I didn't actually greet all of the honorable members. I can, I can like to extend my greetings now, better late than never. And then with regards to the, the, the issues that have been raised, I will, I will give the first responses. And if Brenton Van Trader is in the meeting, I'll ask for him to augment if there's things he would like to augment and then allow advocating churches to conclude on the comments. And with regards to, and, and I think I must also preface the, the responses by saying that uh, honorable members may take note that COCTA uh, is, the, is the custodian primarily of disaster management as the, as the, the department that's responsible for the implementation of the Disaster Management Act of the country, which deals with disasters across the country. So the fundraising amendment bill that we are presenting to you will be a, 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 a legislation that is supportive and aligned to the Disaster Management Act. And remember, that in terms of the Disaster Management Act, there's funding that gets provided by national government in the instances of disasters such as the one in KZN and so on. So there's already a, a national disaster management framework under the legislation, the Disaster Management Act. And this act is subsidiary to that. It would have to be supportive of that and be aligned to it. That's part of the motivation for the amendment that we're doing now. So with regards to issues of funding, for example, there's a national fund that's available that does infrastructure and all sorts of other repair and, and, and work that happens in the context of a disaster. This fund would be supportive of those things. It would not necessarily take over those functions, um, but it has to be aligned to it. Uh, Honorable Abrahams asked questions around, uh, I'll talk to the regulators a bit later, but the question about whether the funds that are now going to be consolidated into this social development fund will still be available for addressing issues of uh, terrorism or, or uh, refugees 
because that's what they were specifically set up for. The, the, the response is that the, the intent of this consolidation is so that you don't have small pockets of um, funds sitting to focus on only a narrow issues such as, for example, refugees. Uh, the, the view that the department takes is that a disaster, when it happens, it becomes relevant whether it's because of terrorism or because of uh, or, or it affects uh, citizens or non-citizens. So it's important, therefore, to have a response that doesn't take those things into account, but responds to the disaster itself and the needs of the people. So this fund will therefore deal with all sorts of disasters, irrespective of whether it affects refugees or any kind of person, irrespective also whether it's a result of the terrorism or other kind of, of a natural disaster and so on. So, so that's the idea of the fund, but we are calling it a, a social development fund in order for it to not only be reactive in the instance of disasters, but to also begin to look at developmental things, for example, assisting uh, uh, people who may be affected by a disaster in that not only to give them the immediate relief, but also think about ways of assisting them to become more resilient or, or, or find ways of mitigating and preventing future disasters. So we want to have that kind of scope for this fund, hence calling it social development and social relief. Taking into account the fact that immediate interventions, such as, for example, provision of food and mattresses and those things, we already have provision in the Social Assistance Act, which makes provision for social relief um, and also for people who are facing disasters to be assisted through SASA. So there's an allocation that government already gives in that regard. Whereas the funding that is in the disaster relief fund is funds that have been sitting there for a long time. But because this is the fundraising act, it would allow this uh, the, 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 the social development fund board to also raise funds from different sources in order to augment what is already in the allocation to be able to intervene in a more sustained, longer-term way uh, than where SASA, for example, has short-term relief that is given to people in the instances of disaster. So the idea is to create that capacity here for this fund to also be able to raise additional funds and also um, provide interventions in, in the instances of disaster that are developmental in nature. The, 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 the parameters of where the development is and, and, and is to be put into the regulations to make sure that we clarify where it starts and ends and the criteria and, and the basis on which the fund may be able to act because it's important as a honorable Ibrahim says that it doesn't become a slash fund or become an issue of uh, the disaster fund or the development fund deciding on its own uh, what they like creating pet projects and things like that. So it's very important to make sure that those things are clarified in regulations. And we have not developed the regulations on level uh, Abrahams. The idea is to get the legislation passed and then do the regulations. But uh, we, we, of course, those regulations also will be uh, processed through a proper uh, consultation process to inform what those parameters must be. Um, and of course, we would be willing, the, the, the Petroleum Commission would be welcome also to input into those to make sure that we are creating correct parameters around where the interventions are happening and to prevent issues of uh, unfettered powers being used by the board to do only what they feel like doing or to uh, exercise favoritism in some instances. But the primary thing is to build the resilience of communities 
to be able to survive and, and prevent disasters, but also to respond in instances where there is, in fact, a disaster that has happened, that the fund should be agile enough to be able to quickly intervene and augment the other interventions that government has in place, such as what is available from the Disaster Management Act and also from SASA's interventions. So, so this is just a, a, to, to deal with a lot of the questions that Honorable Abrahams was asking. Uh, yes, there definitely be criteria that is established so that it's not just a, a free for all. Um, the appointment of the board will be through a transparent process where it's advertised and then or based on the adverts, then the people will be able to come to, to, to be nominated and then um, be able then to be selected on the basis of the, the regulations will also have to specify what the skills mix needs to be, but to, to the department's perspective, the, the criteria in terms of who must be in the board must include a mix of skills and some representation uh, across communities so that it's not only expertise, but also, also representation so that the board understands uh, the communities that need to be supported. But in addition, has the skills in terms of investment management, in terms of financial management, in terms of even disaster response and disaster management, that, that mix of skills that the board needs to have would also be put into the regulations to say this is the composition that the board must be able to meet. Um, with regards to the question, I don't know if it was also from Honorable Abrahams, uh, the issues of ethical principles. We, we looked at different bits of legislation to see whether there's any specific legislation that defines ethical principles. What we found was references to fit and proper. We found references to uh, negative re references, for example, in the companies at which they uh, the, 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 the members of the board should not be, or directors of the board should not be superstars, should not have criminal records and those sorts of things. So different legislation makes different provisions around how you define this thing around ethics and all of that. So we thought what we would do is rather put this in the, in, in the regulations and specify, but things, for example, being fit and proper means that that person cannot have a criminal record, that person. So, so the fit and proper is a more broader, uh, all in, more encompassing definition of ethical standards than just saying ethical in the in, as the, the this legislation yeah. says. So we may rather put fit and proper and 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 know that that is defined even in in, in other legislation as not being suppressed, not being record and so on. So we thought that we would respect, respond that way in the in the regulations and specify what that is. Uh, and then with regard to the questions around whether why it's only the Minister of, of, of Social Development that is included in the appointment of the board. To the extent that uh, this, this uh, fund is a social development uh, fund, uh, that's what we thought. But remember, all, all financial uh, decisions and so on, if, if, if there are things that need to be done that have a financial implication for the country, ordinarily, there would have to be concurrence of the Minister of Finance, which is not necessarily does not need to be specified in this legislation. The PFMA would specify that in any instance where a government department wants to be some that has financial implications, of course, there must be provision for it in terms of a PFMA. There must be a, 
concurrent with the Minister of Finance. So we would not be able to do any regulations in that respect without requiring concurrence of the Minister of Finance. So in that regard, that minister would be included in that way. But in terms of the appointment of the board, it would be a public uh, process where nominations come from the public, from stakeholders, and then the, the, the Minister of Social Development only appoint based on the people that have been nominated in a transparent process where it will be publicly advertised. I don't know if that suffices for, for the member, uh, member Aris. Uh, what is the need for full-time appointed board members? The view we're taking, um, and I mean this, this is something that the community can consider, is that from our perspective, we have found that when, when there is a disaster, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And when we have temporary, when we have members who are only there expecting to come like once a quarter or so forth, then you don't have the, the, the time commitment that we need to have from the board members in order to really focus and, and do the work that's required in the context of a disaster. But also to the extent that we are now saying we want to expand the scope of this beyond just a responding to a disaster when it is happening. We like to see a situation where they are also thinking to what sort of developmental initiatives can be can be done and so on. So we would think that it's necessary for that capacity to be available to the board, but it would not be the whole board uh, that is full-time. Uh, we were suggesting that it should be half, half, half of the board should be full-time and the other half should be supportive board nominated from that public uh, uh, process. So, but, but this is something that informed uh, our view. Remember the legislation already was making provision for this and we thought it's not necessary to change it. And um, because the 78 Act was making provision for full-time board members and some, some part-time members. Uh, on on, on Samuel's comments, yeah, yes, we are, I've already said around what ethical principles try to respond to that. And uh, we'll probably put in the in the actual principal legislation then the reference to uh, fit and proper, but then specifics of uh, other elements of that might be in the regulations instead. When we do the regulations, we have already appointed some which assist us with that. We will then in that process specify, try to come up with more concrete provisions around the, the, the ethical standards, but also the, the skills mix and the representation, what that needs to look like, borrowing from existing legislation, but also from the NGA Act that we have. Um, how will the questions around consolidation of the funds and whether NPOs will access the money. Let uh, me just say to honorable member that um, the disaster relief fund, that the, the social development fund that we are proposing, would not necessarily be a fund from which NPOs or anyone for that matter can request funds. It would more be them responding to issues that have been identified as disaster or potentially uh, going to cause disasters. So in that instance, when they want to intervene in different things, they would, they would commission or they would um, advertise and procure services from different parties, which may include NPOs who have particular skills that the disaster fund may be wanting to use at a particular time. But it would not be a fund that necessarily funds NPOs on an ongoing basis, but it would be related to the work of the board and then commissioning different parties, whether private or NPOs and so on, to perform certain functions on behalf of the board. Uh, the limitations of okay, the questions around a uh, we have not duplicate existing. The, the point is for it to sit alongside and align with existing disaster management provisions that are there in the country. But to be 
uh, more closer to communities and, and to intervene in that sense, hence the developmental aspect that you want to introduce to the fund, but also to enable it to raise funds. It would not compete or necessarily replace the solidarity fund. We don't envisage that. But based on the fact that currently it has, if the funds are consolidated, there'll be around 120 million. Uh, that is not a lot of money. So it would need to raise a lot more funds in order to be able to provide um, support on an ongoing basis. The fund would need to raise more funds for that. Um, and if that's, in that sense, uh, it would, in any disaster, not be able to fully respond by itself, which is why it might sit alongside the existing structures and funding mechanisms, including the National Contingency Fund that sits in the National Treasury when there are a, a disasters that may also be used. So this one would be supporting those ones and not necessarily duplicate, but rather support other activities that government is doing in the context of disasters. Um, Transparency, as I have said, the, the intent is that when the board uh, is appointed, there's a public advertisement, uh, the request for nominations from different stakeholders. And then once those nominations have been done, which anyone in the country will be able to, to, um, to nominate, then those nominations would be considered by the department, taking into account the provisions of exactly what the competency mix must be and what the other provisions are that need to be met in order for us to have a, a comprehensive board that's able to discharge their responsibilities. Um, I think I mean, there, might be, there might be some questions I have not dealt with. I don't know if Brenton would like to, with your permission, Chairperson, augment what I have said. Uh, and once he has done that, if, if, if uh, the churches I can also augment what he thinks I have not covered. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, thank you, Brenda. Uh, so, honorable members, are there any follow-up questions? Chairperson, just just one. You know, how how far are we with the regulations, and you know what is the timelines for that, and then for this bill. When can we expect, um, you know, the, the updated um, version and things like that? Thanks, Jim. Okay. Linda? Chairperson, uh, thanks, Chairperson. Uh, Advocate has just reminded me that I didn't to the question around salaries of board members. Those are prescribed in the, in the, in the public finance management, in terms of the public finance management act. So we would not decide those already specified in that legislation. And this act would also adhere to that. With regards to the regulations, uh, advocating treasures are yield to them. Uh, thank you uh, for your honorable chair. Uh, the question posed by Honorable Abrahams around the regulations, it must be remembered that uh, regulations ordinarily are a subordinate legislation and subordinate legislation needs to be empowered by a principal legislation. So until such time that this particular bill is passed uh, in, uh, by parliament, ascended to and signed by the president, it becomes law then the regulations uh, process will be kicked in at that stage. Otherwise, it would not be advisable at, uh, at the present, I mean, to have regulations 
for a bill because it will not be procedural to do so. So we are promised because it's not a very long or big exercise. We are promising that once uh, this uh, particular bill is signed into law, then we'll immediately embark on the process of the development of regulations. Otherwise, if we do that now, those regulations will be said to be ultra virus because they will not be informed by any empowering provision. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Okay. 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 Maybe honorable through you, honorable chair, uh, while still there is some silence, I, I can also indicate that uh, we will be in a position within, uh, uh, say, two weeks to a month uh, to finalize the incorporation of the comments into the bill, where we'll be uh, going for an A list thereafter. Thank you. Thank you very much for the specific answer. Uh, Lindy, what is next? Uh, uh, there's nothing next. Uh, we are in your hands to conclude and attend the meeting. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Lindy. Uh, it seems as if there is nothing for now. I even said to you by 12, we'll be out of this meeting because uh, it's only two clear items. That is the department and also content advisor, which we have already done with it. So can we then uh, adjourn the meeting for now? We will await for that uh, two weeks to a month to hear again what is it that is taking place. Thank you very much for all that has attended and the meeting has attended. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Impressive. You're so impressive <laughs> with your flu. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I must have flu throughout so that I can be progressive. I, 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 it's going to kill yes. you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, Jen. Thank you. Bye-bye.